Okay, most of you would know we've been on a long series in the book of Romans and we're up to chapter 14 today. Uh, but what we have learned really from the start of Romans, one thing that is absolutely clear is that we are saved by grace, by the gift of God, through faith. Not through doing any actions of ourselves, but we receive a gift From God, through Jesus Christ, a gift of righteousness. And what that means, uh, just to, I'm going to use this just for an example, just for, there's people who miss. If you look at my page here, you'll see that there's a nice straight margin down that side. Beautiful and straight. That is the holiness of God, not my page. But (laughs) God's holiness is perfect. He is absolutely righteous. Okay. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you look at that side, it's all wobbly, that margin. It's all over the place. Okay. What God has done for us through Jesus Christ, if you ever, if I actually, when I'm, I'm pretty good at computer, I know how to use Word. And if you get that document and you press Control A, that's all, it'll all highlight. And then you press Control J, it'll justify it. And that'll mean that both margins will be straight. Perfect. What God has done for us through Jesus Christ is he has justified us, which means that by his gift, by his death on the cross, by his forgiveness of sins, and by him being raised from the dead, he has justified us and made us so that when we have faith in Jesus Christ, our character and God's character are the same. Can you believe that, that God has done that for you, that he has made you absolutely holy and perfect? And it's not through your obedience, because if it was up to your obedience, you would be in hell. And so would I. Okay? If it had been up to us to get right with God, we would never make it. Okay? And when Paul speaks in other letters, uh, like Galatians, about people who try and think, add something to Jesus, say, they would say, yes, you need to have faith in Jesus, plus you need to be baptised in a certain sort of way, then he says, you're way off because you've added something to Christ and he has done it all for you, right? Or you might say, you, yes, you believe in Jesus, but you must reach a certain level of obedience. You are way off, okay? You need Jesus and you need Jesus. That's it, okay? Now, with that in mind... We come through that whole gospel teaching and then we come to chapter 12 where he started to say, now in light of this, love one another. Love must be sincere from the heart. And then we come to the church. Now, if you come to the church, you will come to something that's messy. Yeah? The church is messy. Is that true? Because there are different people in church who have different ideas. Is that true? Each one of us does. If we were to sit down, it doesn't matter, sit down, whatever topic we would pick, we would find that there are very varied ideas. Now, we are not talking about the gospel. We are not talking about the centrality of Jesus Christ. If you've got a different idea on that, you're not a Christian. Do you get that? If you've got a different idea on who Jesus is, if you don't think he's the son of God, you're not a Christian. Okay? Um, I was talking to Lynn before, she said about uh, being Anglican. And I said, that's cool, nothing wrong with Anglicans. And she said, well, thank goodness you said that. Like, she's a little bit insulted. But you see, why, 
across the Christian church, there's a diversity, but there is one core belief, isn't there? In Jesus Christ. And if we hold to that core, we are on the same page. The gospel is central. Yeah? But inside there are various views, and that's what we're coming to today, which are called disputable matters in the NIV. If you were to read the ESV, it would say matters of opinion. Now, Christians have lots of opinions, true, on lots of different things. But I just would say it again. Paul is also not talking about the Ten Commandments. Last week we did the Ten Commandments in chapter 13, remember? And they, and they still stand, don't they? There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. So don't think that thou shalt not steal is disputable. It's not. That's not a matter of opinion. It's just truth. You shall have no other gods before me. That's not up for grabs. That's true. It stands forever. It's not a matter of opinion. You shall not covet. All those laws stand true. But there are other things in the Christian faith which Christians actually hold very dear to their heart, believe very strongly, but are what we would call matters of opinion. Now, he only gives three examples in this. I believe there's a whole raft in the Christian church. The first one, he says... There are certain people who only eat vegetables and not meat. Um, and the reason they did this, because, I mean, at, at times we can be fairly, we can make a lot of vegetarian jokes or vegan jokes and things like that. Um, the reason they did this is not the same as we do today, but it can be comparable. It's, it's because what would happen is there were various idols and false gods around town. Just imagine there was a statue of a false god there. And people killed their animal, whether it be a sheep or a cow, and they cut it up, and here's your fillet steaks. And before you ate them, you went and put them before the idol in worship and, and offered it to that idol. And then you take it home to your barbecue and you cook it up. And some Christians were saying, I'm not eating that meat. It's been offered to demons. And you can understand why they're saying that, can't you? They're not just saying, oh, I don't think meat's right. They're not... You know, understand now for vegetarians and vegans today, I would say that some of them hold such a deep spiritual meaning to to the reason they don't eat meat. And so, what is this calling us to? It's actually calling us to respect, uh, to not quarrel. Okay, that's the first thing is offensive to eat meat. The second one he gives an example is people who uh, celebrate certain days. Now, even You'll come across Christians who really don't want to celebrate Christmas. Have you ever come across them? Some of them just, they think that it's turned into a pagan festival with all the presents and the Father Christmas and stuff, so they don't do much with it. Yeah? Some people do that. Um, If you go to Holland, do you know that they have a public holiday for Ascension Day? They have a public holiday for Ascension Day, the day Jesus ascended. We don't do that in Australia, do we? Is it good that they do that? It's fine. Okay, the third example he gives is of drinking wine or drinking alcohol. And to some Christians, drinking alcohol is really troublesome to them and they have good reasons for that. Um, and, uh, and others uh, feel comfortable, although, as we said a few weeks ago, drunkenness is always an issue. Uh, that, that's not right. Now, as Christians, we also have lots of other things that we would call debatable or 
matters of opinion or disputable matters. Uh, recently, there's been some huge arguments over vaccination. Don't think about this too deeply, you'll go off on another tangent. And Christians have felt really strongly, and other Christians have felt really strongly. Yep, and they both use Bible passages to back up their views. Some Christians around here believe that you should send your kids to a public school. Some homeschool, some say Christian school, some say boarding school. And there's all sorts of issues with that, isn't there? When I was younger, when we, when we started, we had a hymn book and we only sung hymns. And then people introduced these other songs. Oh. And we had what was called Worship Wars. Could you believe Worship Wars was what we talked about? I tell you, this is a disputable matter. <laughs> okay. Do you know that some people take what it might be called a vow, vow of poverty, where they don't want to eat, they don't want to spend, they would drink international roast coffee only. Uh, they would buy the cheapest everything. They would buy an old car. They'll never own a house because any bit of extra money, they want to give it away. They believe that God's calling them to that and they live like that. Uh, is that for everybody? Not, no. But is that wrong? You understand what I'm saying? Some people have different views on use of technology. Some people have different views on how long a sermon should go for. You're going to suffer today, you people. Uh, end times theology. Do you know that there's different views on how it's going to pan out in the end? Yeah? Doesn't really matter. Those things. Really. And, and all, I'm talking about people who all use the Bible to get their ideas. Because this passage today, what we're going to understand, is written to Christians and how we relate with other Christians. So it's very important to see that. We're not talking about people outside the church here. We're talking about how we can sincerely love one another and many, many other issues. Now, I'll just say it again. We're not talking about God's law. That stands forever. We're not talking about the gospel. Those things cannot be changed. Okay, they are what unites Christian churches together. We're talking about other things. So we're going to begin at the start. I'm going to work reasonably quickly through this uh, after the first little bit. <laughs> Except the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. Now, already he's making this hard for us because he calls people weak <laughs> and their faith weak. But I think this, Paul is saying those people who are weak are those people who have brought other small matters and put them towards the centre of their faith. They've drawn things in and they hold them very dearly at the moment. Okay, They hold them closer, but those who are strong in their faith are those who can accept both views and not look down on others and yet stand on one side or the other without passing judgement on anybody. Okay, So in, in the case of the vegetables and the meat, the, the one who's strong in their faith could say, it is good that you eat only vegetables. And I, when I'm with you, I'll eat only vegetables. It is good for you to eat meat. And I can accept it all as from God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, we're not going to argue about this. That's what it's saying. You're making a decision not to quarrel. Um, and, and the same with all those other things. To be able to accept that people, and, and I'm going to say, I mean, I know vaccination was a big issue for us and education and things like that, those two issues. That, but people, because of their faith, 
believe that they should or shouldn't. Because of their faith, think that they should homeschool or send their kids to a public school. It's not because it's not just a side issue to them. It's central to their being. And the person with a strong faith would say, it is good that you do what is right in your mind on these things because they are not the law of God. Does that make sense? And Paul says up front, if you're one of these strong people, if you are strong in your faith, don't quarrel over these things. Don't get into pointless arguments which are a matter of opinion. Do you get this? Don't, his words are, don't treat others with contempt over these issues. If they have a different view, don't treat them with contempt. Don't look down on them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because each one of us has lines that we draw for our lives. We all do. We have things that we hold dear. But don't say that these are the central, that they are so central that you've got to look down on somebody. Now, again, Romans says you're saved by faith, not by works. So we're not talking about salvation here. Righteousness comes as a gift from God. It's not achieved by us. So we're not talking about those things. But those who are weaker in their faith do tend to bring things to the centre which don't belong there. How do we, as Christians, love them? Okay. Well, crucial to this is the preaching of the gospel and the living of the gospel and seeing that the gospel truth that's unchanging is what will change those people, take them from being weak in their faith to being strong in their faith. Do you understand? It's the gospel truth where the Holy Spirit works to strengthen them. Now, I want to give an example. Uh, it's not of any that we've had today. Uh, we, a, a, a good friend uh, from where we used to live, and he was very young in his faith and had been converted through kind of some people who had some strange ideas. And when he first started coming to our Bible study, he had really strong ideas about Israel. You would know Christians who have strong ideas about Israel. And he would speak about Israel and we're all going back there one day and, and he was watching the news and keeping an eye. Israel was really big. And every Bible study, somewhere in there, he would bring up the Jews, Israel, that sort of thing. Uh, it was really, really big for him. And every time he did, I didn't argue. I didn't disagree. Occasionally he pushed the boundaries, but I did you can understand where he's getting from. He's getting bits out of the Bible. But we preached the gospel. We preached Christ and him crucified and raised from the dead, the full forgiveness of sins, the righteousness from God, the beauty of Christ. And as time went on, he started to really understand the gospel. He understood the fullness of what God had done for him. He became firm in his faith. He became strong. And he became a person who always talked about Jesus. Isn't that good? And he, know, he started not to talk about Israel anymore. I don't think he ever changed his views about Israel. He didn't need to. It doesn't matter. Do you understand? But as he became firm in the gospel, that particular belief went from the centre and slowly went out to the edge and it wasn't everything anymore. Do you understand? And one day he said to me, he, and he knew... Because he was, he, he was baiting me for argument. And he knew he was baiting me for argument. He said, you know all those times I used to talk about that? And you never argued back? He said, if you'd have argued, I would have left. 
Now, how helpful would that have been? Because he never would have come to a firm grounding in the gospel. So that's what happens when we debate opinion on things which are on the peripheral. Okay. So what I'm saying is this. I believe that the aim of not treating others with contempt, of not quarrelling, is that they become strong in the gospel. And as they become strong in the power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit filters out and sorts out people's beliefs. In other words, he sanctifies people. He puts opinions in their right place. Does that make sense? I'm clear, right. However, I'll just step back the other way. I just want to make sure you understand this. If church leadership starts bringing things, if into their belief statement they start pulling things from the peripheral and putting them to the centre, that's a problem because that causes people to become legalistic and works righteous and that is a big problem. So we don't pull things to the centre. The centre is the gospel. The centre is Christ. The centre is the person of God. Not those side things. Okay, It's dangerous if the church structure, the church leadership, the church preaching brings things to the centre which don't belong there. Then you become law-driven, legalistic. I'm going to ask again, is this clear? Because this is really important. Okay. Verse 2, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats, veg- eats everything must tr- not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. They will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Okay. As I've often said, on Judgment Day, when you stand before God, uh, God's not going to say, what do you think of yourself? He's not going to say that. And it's not going to be on the basis of what any other person thinks of you. There's only one judge. And what he thinks of you is going to count. And he is going to judge you on the basis of your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? So, why are we starting to judge other people and to say they're in and out based on this view or that view or this view? It's not your place. Don't stand as the judge. Don't put yourself in that place. Don't argue with over it. You're, tear, you're tearing down the grace of God in Jesus Christ when you do that. Okay. One, one person considers one, more, one day more sacred than the other. Another consist, uh, considers every day alike. Each should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. It's out of their faith they're doing this. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. Do you understand? It's a matter of, your, uh, it's a matter of personal thanks. But do so in thanks, in thanksgiving to God. Don't judge in the sense of condemning them. Don't, don't, don't step into God's place. He is the one sanctifying people's lives. He is the one growing people in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, and preach the gospel to them because the gospel is the thing that will cause and allow. It's like fertilising the growth in a person. It's to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It's a powerful act. And... Let God be the judge. There is only one judge. For none of us, verse 7, none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. For if we die, sorry, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. It's all about our place with God. For this very reason, 
Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Christians are living their lives to God. They are serving him. And the person who follows and believes very strongly in a certain thing does so because of their faith in God. A person wants to be a missionary in in a foreign country and they go and do that, that, that. God has called them to that. If they were to say, everybody must go to Cambodia to be a missionary, that would be funny, wouldn't it? But, and, and, but if, we should, if we would say, nobody should go to be a missionary in Cambodia, that would be a problem too. You understand, if part of this is God calls us to different things and we, by allowing this, we are allowing different people to be ruled over by Jesus in a different way. I can tell you this, a person who is a vegetarian or a vegan can, can actually preach the gospel to a different group of people because of the calling God placed on their lives. So it's okay. Do you understand? Okay. So you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves before God. So we don't judge people, we don't condemn them, but uh, we know that each one of us will stand before God. Okay. Sometimes, though, um, I've said this before, I got a scam text. You know the scam text where they're trying to draw your money? And it, um, I don't know why, this was a couple of years ago, I, um, I've, it was come from a mobile number, so I thought I'm going to answer back. They said uh, something like, your C- Commonwealth Bank account is overdrawn or something like that, or something funny like that, and I don't have a Commonwealth Bank account. So I, I actually pulled up a Bible verse, do not lie, do not steal, do not deceive one another, and I texted it to them. And uh, immediately, bang, just like that. Came back a text, judge not lest thee be judged. <laughs> From a group of scammers who were trying to steal my money. <laughs> you understand? But what they were actually doing was that they, were, they, were, they were actually saying, um, this is just a disputable matter, this is a small thing. No, it's not, you can't steal. It's not right to steal from one another. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, it, it, it's quite funny. Uh, don't condemn on the basis of opinion of disputable matters. But there are things that are central and we as Christians make judgments on those things. And they're right. Don't lie, don't steal, don't deceive one another. That, do you think that's a, just, just an old fuddy-duddy commandment that's faded away? No, it hasn't. Do you understand? Some things stand true forever, some are... Con- okay. Therefore, oh, that's, I've gone on a tangent there, but that's okay. Let us stop, therefore, passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Don't try and trip someone up. Respect them. Don't, don't treat them like that thing that they hold dear is just nothing. It's unimportant. Don't do that because what it will do is cause them to trip in their faith. Cause them to fall away. Cause them to struggle. So hold your tongue on opinions. Because 
somehow in there, if we work through as Christians our view on disputable matters, we suddenly think that our thoughts are God's words and therefore we must speak God's words into every possible argument. And that's just not it. Do you understand? I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Now he's talking as someone who is strong in his faith. He's saying, nothing of itself is unclean or clean. Okay? But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. In other words, if you're flaunted in front of them, that's not love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Don't deliberately cause offence over for someone. If it really offends them, don't. Just don't go there. In love, for the sake of their growth in the gospel. It would be terrible to trip someone over over an issue that really is nothing, wouldn't it? Yep. To, we probably all do this at times, don't we? We have those arguments with someone and disagreements and then everyone goes home angry with each other and you think, what was the point of that? It was over nothing in the long run when you, when you realise the next day that what an idiot you've been. Yeah? But at the time, oh no, I've got to give them God's opinion on this. Yeah. Therefore, do, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. By doing this, by arguing and by bringing these divisions, you cause something good, the gospel, to be seen as evil. Because here I am, I teach you about Jesus Christ and then I bag you for your opinions, then what does that do to the, uh, the gospel that I've just preached to you? It actually it disarms it. it, it dumbs it down, it takes away its power by adding law to grace. No, what is the, uh, what is the kingdom of God about? Well, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We started by saying this great gift of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Isn't that the centre? Yep. To love those who are weak, it is, it is very important for us to continue to teach and proclaim those issues which are central. The fatherhood of God. Central. Jesus dying for forgiveness of sins, full forgiveness of sins. Jesus' resurrection from the dead. If there's a church that believes, doesn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, it's not a church. And, and there are some around who do that. The, the, the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us that truth, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to reveal to us, the Father and the Son and the fullness of what he's done. You understand? So what we are those who, in sincere love, we love those who are a bit... Shaky. We love them and we remind them of the gospel of righteousness. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Receives human approval? Why would you receive human approval? I tell you what, you're a peacemaker when you live this way, aren't you? You don't receive human approval when you argue all the time, do you? 
and you receive God's... It's pleasing to God that you hold your tongue and preach the gospel. That makes sense? Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Edification means building up, building the house. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong. If it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Don't do anything that will cause them to fall. Be mindful of those around you. Be mindful of them. It's, it's, you see, sometimes there's an example of, uh, of eating vegetables and not meat in Daniel chapter 1. I don't know if you know that story. That Daniel and his three friends, uh, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, they're taken away to Babylon. They're, Babylon are the ones who have just knocked off their own country and it's a, it's, they're in this bad situation and these young men, they're being trained in the ways of Babylonia with the Babylonian gods and the Babylonian food processes and the Babylonian sorceries and dreams and, and all that sort of stuff. They're being trained in that and, and they have to eat the food that comes off the king's table and they say, no, nah, we're only eating vegetables, lettuce, <laughs> a lettuce diet. Yay. Um, why did they say that? Is it because meat's always evil? No, it's not bad. What they were saying is, we are drawing a line where we say, yes, we will be trained by you, but we are not going the whole hog. We are, we're making a line that says we are honouring God by showing that we are not, going, not, not submitting to everything you give to us. Okay? They could have chosen anything else. That's what they chose. God honoured that in that when they only ate vegetables... Somehow they become strong and healthier and they look so much better than all the others. Okay, again, not saying go on Daniel's diet. It's saying God honoured the line in the sand. Why I say that is because lots of Christians have different lines for different reasons. And if we start arguing with them over them, that's a real problem, isn't it? If What we say, come on Daniel, you idiot, you've got to eat meat. It's fine. The Bible says so. It's fine to eat meat. He's drawn a line for the way that he was honouring being obedient to God. So that's good, isn't it? And different people take different vows. And that's okay. As long as they don't think that those things will make them right with God. Because Jesus Christ is what makes us right with God. But however, living in different ways is fine. Paul says this, be it at, to the Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. To the Jews, I'm a Jew. What's he talking about? Issues of culture, which don't matter, do they? Okay. Hopefully I've made this point. So whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. In other words, believe, but keep them to yourself. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. At the heart of it, be fully convinced of what you do, but that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody what you do every moment of the day. You must live by faith because understand this, anything you do that is not by faith is sin. Hear that? Anything that's not of faith. 
Say, if you, if you love the poor and give them all your money and that's not by faith, that, that's sin. Get that? If I speak with the tongues of angels, says Paul, if I give all my money to the poor, if I surrender my body, yeah, and do not love, it's sin. Without faith, any action is sin. Okay? In, his, in Daniel's case, if he were to draw that line that distinguished him from the Babylonians and then eat meat, well, actually, that would have been a problem to him. Do you understand? Not that there's anything wrong with meat. But God was doing something in him and he needed to be obedient to that. Okay, I'm going to sum up by saying this. The gospel is the most important thing in the world to us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have failed, all have rebelled, all have hated God. And there is only one thing which saves us from this place and that is Jesus Christ who died in our place. Who, who took our sins, who bore the wrath of God, who was raised from the dead, who now stands at the right hand of the Father, who rules over all things, he is Lord of all, and through that gospel he reconciles sinners to himself, he saves people, he makes them children of God, and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit does that. Do everything about that. Do everything you do. Have that at your centre. Preach the gospel in Jesus Christ. Live in the power of the Spirit. And when it gets to those disputable matters of opinion, don't let them get the way in the way of your preaching because that's what the devil loves to do is introduce that division and that, uh, uh, those arguments over nothing to dismiss the gospel. Don't do that. Don't argue Hold to the truth of Jesus and he will be making the faith of those who are weak strong in the spirit. Okay? I'm going to pray. Father, uh, as, as we've talked about this today, we become aware that we, we have been those people who have uh, sprouted our strong opinions. We've caused division over things that are not worthy of division over things which are not really those things which you care about. And Father, we want to confess that as sin. And we want to confess that at times we've placed laws on top of Jesus Christ and his gift of righteousness. And Father, we've sinned before you. We've fallen short in your law. We've fallen short in your gospel. We've fallen short. And Father, we just want to confess again, we need Jesus He is the only way for us. And I pray that you would cause us to become strong people who, by your Holy Spirit, know the gospel and speak the gospel first. And Father, where these matters come up, that we would be able to boldly sit quietly and bring the conversation back to you and your truth. I pray that you would work through each of us, that we would be good witnesses to your gospel. And Father, that you wouldn't let the devil have a foothold in our conversation. I pray that you would cause us to be people who love sincerely. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.